Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Let me ask you a question. If you're strongly against abortion and ending the lives of more than 2,400 unborn babies every day in America, what are you going to do about it? Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm your host, Jill Taylor, and today we're going to talk about life with a dear friend, Ken Carrada. No, I'm not picking on you, but I am opening the door to our conversation today. Ken, you have a wonderful family. I've, I've gotten to meet, I think you're just your daughter, but you and your bride raised six kids, yes? That's right. Six <laughs> kids. Yes. And they're approximately how old now? Well, they're in their 40s and their 50s. Uh, we have uh, Christine, Jennifer, Kelly, John, Debbie, Kevin. Uh, three are in the area and uh, three live in the South. So we get to, in fact, I was down in Charlotte last week visiting with one of them. So that's our uh, spread out family. Now that COVID's easing up a little bit, we're yeah. going to going to spread You're out even more. Get to see see each other more. We're that's all, that's all a hope. I'm going to gather at Myrtle Beach here in two months. And uh, <laughs> don't make me so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about your wife. I never got to meet her. Yes, I'd like to do that. Mary Sue just an amazing lady. She uh, when our children got to go to uh, school. By the time they were able to go to grade school, she says, "Well, why don't I? You know, should I go to work now?" And I said, "Well, we're kind of getting along." Sort of getting along with without that. Let's just try it a little bit longer. Well, uh, thirty years later, <laughs> she just uh, just just continued. She uh, ministered mainly during breakfast at a restaurant. She'd bring in her Bible and read scripture and and be there. People knew she was there offering prayer and counsel to whoever would ask. Uh, outside of the breakfast group, she led prayer groups, Bible studies, mm. did door to door evangelism. She would constantly follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to her next calling. She she played the guitar. She wrote music. She played in coffee houses. It was just amazing. Really made me look like a piker. All I did was go to work and spend a little time at the abortion clinic every week. So that that's my wife. Uh, you know a little bit about about my background. I'm been retired for about eight years, and uh, I'm on the staff now. In the last year at the pregnancy clinic, and uh, what what I do is partly focus on the men that might come in on the clinic. Not many clinics have a ministry mm-hmm. for men, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we have one we call the Steadfast Fathers. We have a little room back there, uh, separate from where the women have constantly. It looks more like a man cave type room. <laughs> I like for, that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's for the men and ministers to them. There's a few men that have been doing this for about, about five years. Unfortunately, not a lot of men, as you can imagine, come in. Uh, they're few and far between. So to supplement that, they've gone to some of the local institutions that uh, have ministries for people that are uh, have drug and alcohol problems, residential facilities. Mm-hmm. And we are part of the outreach for the residential facilities to give them prayer and practical advice on uh, different parts of, uh, of life. We, we have uh, short talks, and a lot of times we simply just sit and listen and, and, and try to develop a relationship with them. Our classes run for five weeks, uh, two hours a night. And at the end, the men get a certificate, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're proud of it. We've got some videos on, uh, on our website that, that, that shows them holding their certificate. And, so, and what's the website? Uh, the website is called Steadfast Fathers. Steadfast Fathers. Yeah. Okay. 
our people that work there, uh, the facilitator has been certified by the uh, as a fatherhood fatherhood initiative. These are all guys that are mainly retired, and they just just trying to be helpful, trying to help guys that are having problems or been in jail or or whatever. So, so that's what we're all doing. ages. All ages. No, normally, probably the average person would be in their twenties, but we've had people as old as sixty. You mm-hmm. know, grandpas that are uh, running up problems with alcohol or, or drugs, and the main main age range is um, probably twenty five. Would be the would be that time. Medium. So by okay. the time they've had some problems and finally said, hey, I got I got to get some help. I can't handle it. A yeah. lot of it's it's either alcohol and drugs related, as you as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's ruining our nation. It's ruining our men and our women yeah. and our children. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. What's your age, Ken? In September, I'll be 80. You'll be 80. Yep. And you are working in a pregnancy help center. You're yep. volunteering. I'm on staff. You're on staff. I'm on staff. And you're yes. doing all of these men's ministry projects. So I just want to say to our listener... <laughs> Do not retire and think you're done because God's got lots and lots of ways that he can use you and your heart and your love for life. And I, I'm just amazed. I've always thought you were quite a great man, but you are. Oh, you're so <laughs> you nice, just Jill. raised up in my, you know, yeah. in my uh, understanding of what you're doing to serve the know, Lord. It's, it's, you know, it's what you got to do. I, I just feel that the Lord's calling me and I'm still looking so looking for opportunities. So it's uh, there's uh, another group in the area that uh, works with men that are trying to place them in jobs. And, and uh, you know, there's all kinds of ministries out there, you know, if, if you look. And uh, me being a guy, I'll, I focus on men's ministries because I can best talk to men because I am one of them. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's the Lord just creates opportunities. You know, you know I, I, I would believe that there are some young girls who are also very touched by seeing you, just seeing yeah. you in their you, facility. It's kind of funny. Um, when I'd uh, be at the clinic, I was working, I'll tell you on later later what circumstance was, but uh, the one lady I was working with that had, a, had an ultrasound van, she thought the appeal was that uh, I had a grandfather image, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't threatening, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'd just come on kind of quietly and give them information, and uh, so there's a little payoff to, you know, to that part of it, uh, and, yeah. and you know we, we do what we can, but your, your your observation is, you know, is right. Yeah. Wow. How many years were you together with your wife before she passed, Ken? Can you share what you went through? We've been married 51 years, and it was uh, back almost five years ago. We're breakfast one day, and we're doing some planning. We're saying, "Hey, look at I, I, I had just been retired for a few a few years, not many, and uh, we were we were actually planning how we could, you know, help other people." And uh, she says, "I got a little numbness in my my lip," and my kids have been telling me. And I say, "I notice it's drooping a little bit." Well, make a long story short, a few weeks we went into uh, the hospital, and uh, they said, "You got to have a biopsy." When they did the biopsy, they came back to me and they said, uh, she's got cancerous brain tumor, a geoblastoma type thing. And they, they left. And I'm reckoning how to tell my kids about it because you have about a, nine months you can you're spo- you have left in your life with that. Uh, while that happened, while I was sitting waiting to make the call, they came in again and they said, oh, when we did the biopsy, unfortunately we had a blood vessel in the, in the tumor 
and uh, she's um, bleeding uh, in her in her brain. And uh, I got him to take me up to see her, and it was just as before she kind of drifted into a, a coma, which turned out it was irreversible. Uh, we we just had a couple seconds together. What happened after that was uh, I had still I've been going to the the abortion clinic every day, and I, what I would do is just come to the clinic eight in the morning, then drive up to the nursing home where she was, and uh, uh, they didn't even want to take her, but they said this is irreversible. You know, just you know, just let her die. And well, uh, we just kept coming up there and praying for her and massaging, massage her feet, do the stuff, physical stuff. They said what well, might help. And strangely enough, after a couple of weeks, she responded. Uh, I kept asking her if she could lift her hand, and she lifted it. Then another time when she could open her eyes, and she actually opened her eyes. I got those on videos and showed them to the nurses and showed them to my kids. And, you know, we're just kind of going crazy, saying, you know, this is impossible. It's happening. And then it stopped. And I didn't understand why. I've got a, a very good dentist, and the dentist told me that probably opening her eyes was uh, just to put a tremendous strain on her because of her situation, and and uh, it was like taking all of the energy that she had. So with that in mind, I told her it was okay not to try this anymore. She didn't have to. So she just, just kind of rested, and we kept coming in every day. Well, after 100 days... Uh, she went to heaven. That is a precious story. And it is what happens when you have a long life with someone you love and someone you've shared everything with. And I am so grateful for you to share that story. It's hard. It's hard to, to talk about someone that you love so much and who you ran home to enjoy at the end of the day. And yet she blessed you with staying as long as she could in this world. We know where she is. We know that she's in heaven. We know that God holds her for you when you get there. And I'm telling you, you are quite the man worth waiting for. She she really had a, a wonderful husband in you. Oh, you're sweet, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. 51 years. Wow, that's that's really amazing. I know our listener today has experienced the loss of someone very close to them. What what help was it for you to turn to God through all of your pain and loss? Well, as you probably guessed, I was turning to God every day as I'm standing there spending the time with her in the home. And um, it's just doing it day after day. It just put me... I don't know. At peace after after the it was all over after after the time was over, uh, our actually our whole family was at peace. We had all come together and we had all kind of said, you know, this is the way it is. And I think she was very thoughtful about the whole thing because the uh, the nursing home kept saying, "Well, we we can't keep doing this. We got to turn off the ventilator. That you know, and then you know, then she'll die." And uh, I kept feeling. She was thoughtful enough to pass away before they turned it off. <laughs> anyway, oh, you that's, know, that's, that's what I thought. That's huge. That's huge to be in that position. I, I, I know that there's someone listening who has experienced that. I've heard of it before. And I'm so grateful that God gave you that natural death, that you didn't have to go through that or make that decision. 
We are talking with Ken Carrada, and uh, both of us are wiping our eyes. This is a very powerful and poignant story, but there's more on the other side. We'll take a quick break and come right back with Ken Carrada on Choose Life Radio. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So meet up with us today at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. We're in a pretty deep discussion with Ken Carrada, who's one of the brave men to stand in front of an abortion facility and make that last effort to offer life to a woman going in for an abortion. If you've missed the first half, you can go to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and pick it up there under podcasts. And while you're looking through our past interviews, let me suggest listening to the godly wisdom of John Stone Street. He's one of my favorite people that come on. The amazing love story of the Shoenovers. Wow, that's really a powerful interview. The intimate story of a misidentification of two college girls involved in a tragic van accident. That's with Newell and Colleen Serak. Those are great interviews. And then share them. Let, let other people know about them. But right now, we have a lot more to hear from Ken Carrada, our guest today. Ken, was the life topic always on your heart? And, and if so, when did you begin to try to reach out to women going into abortion buildings where their unborn child would die? Jill, it kind of grew on me. Um, before I even started going to the clinics or when it's kind of mixed in there, I, we used to put up crosses at uh, Catholic Church in the area. And we had a Thanksgiving economical service with the different churches. And I started asking the pastors if they'd consider having a cross in front of their church. And three of them joined them. One was Baptist, one was Assembly of God, and the other one was uh, just from a, a fellowship church. So we ended up with four different you know, denominations and, uh, and, and, and found that we had a common ground in that they all shared our, uh, our beliefs in what we were doing. And then later on, we, this, this was in, in um, one part of town, we tried our luck closer to the abortion clinic and with two churches, you know, one church, just grabbed a hold of it, and even before we put up our crosses, they put up a sign saying, the pain of abortion stops here. But the other church that was across from an uh, abortion clinic would talk to me, and they said, well, you know, we've given people coffee that come, that stand outside the clinic, but I said, well, how about the signs? You consider putting up crosses in front of the church. And we went back and forth with them. And eventually I was talking to one of their uh, leaders and he said, yeah, this has split the whole church. Half of them want to do it and half don't want to do it. And and they would never get off the fence. Now, a year later, they were closed. Mm. 
Wow. And the pastor called me looking for a job. <laughs> so it's, Ken, it's sad. That's, that is sad. It's, a, it's very important for our pastors to understand this. Yeah. We can't dodge this issue of life, that God is God's the giver of life. God is the one who forgives us when we do something that we regret. And we cannot be in a church that that is saying we honor the idea of killing the infants before they're born. It's just not acceptable. Jill, it's mostly they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to offend it. people that, you know, might. Yeah, they don't want to talk about it, actually, because there's someone sitting in their, in their congregation who has had an abortion, at least a number of people, especially in a church that doesn't talk about it. And what happens is that woman either believes that that's the worst sin in the world and that's why the pastor can't talk about it or she feels like it's an okay thing because he's never saying anything about right. that yeah, yeah. so pastors have to find the way to say we've all sinned and come short of the glory of god amen you're absolutely yeah. right joe yeah it, it's something interesting too what we had a little tiny black church it's gone it doesn't exist anymore they put up a sign uh, directly across from an abortion clinic. And that's was a place where the doctor had been doing abortions for 15 years. And we had been praying out that every week. I had a couple other people I was praying with. One week in December, we saw this amazing billboard there that said, if you're, I, I, <laughs> breaks me up talking about it. Says, if you're pregnant and you need help, call this number. It was an 800 number. And we said, wow, how did they get that up there? And it turns out... Uh, I'm not sure exactly how, but um, but they did. And uh, I found out that we wanted to have it up after that. It was like a public service thing. They did it for one month because no one else was paying for the ads. But after that, it was $600 a month. Well, I just started talking to people and and, and uh, that came out there and doing whatever I could. I, I got scrambled the money together and we got enough money for one month and two, then three months and we ran out of money. And fourth month, I mean, around Easter, I came out, came walk there, and the sign was, billboard was still up, and people from uh, one of the Right to Life groups were out there. And uh, I told them our predicament. They passed the hat, and they gave me 500 bucks. Well, then after that, Jill, they just kept pouring in. It, it was easy. Uh, April, May, June, July, August. In September, nine months later, the guy closed the clinic, and... Uh, <gasps> said, I don't want to do this anymore. Wow. Wow. Ken, that's that's so exciting. And it's so painful to know that it didn't happen earlier. You know, it, it's just like, that is that is God moving, though. He is, Absolutely. He was teaching something to you. He was giving you <laughs> a really good understanding of how much he loves you, Ken. Yeah. That, that your work is not in vain. Sometimes it's not on our timing, but boy, that is so sweet to hear. The Holy Spirit has been constantly kind of inspiring me to keep going and finding different creative ways. I'll tell you a little story, which is sort of almost humorous. One clinic had a short driveway, and nobody could ever talk to people coming in because they'd pull in from the main road, and there'd be they drive right by you, and they knew who you were. So I was trying to figure out a way that could minister there. So uh, I went to the local store and got a got what it looks like a um, jacket that you wear when you're directing traffic, you know, uh -huh. kind of fluorescent one. 
And I did a little, directed a little traffic right in that area. But when a car would pull in, I'd, I'd raise my hand and he'd sort of slow down. And I'd say, oh, uh, yeah, here for the clinic, you can park down here. I said, oh, by the way, and I handed him a pamphlet and it says, here's information on you can get a free ultrasound. It'll save you $150. And, uh, and inside the folder, though, was development each month, pictures of what the baby looks like. And I said, I'll, I'll be praying for you and your baby. Nobody turned me down. <laughs> they take that in the clinic. Some people would drive in, some drive out, but uh, I'd get it in their hands. And uh, so it was, I mean, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit saying, you know, act, act funny like this and maybe something <laughs> will happen. So I did that for about three years at that, at that clinic. And eventually the clinic closed down for whatever, whatever reason. So anyway, those are a couple of my little stories for you. <laughs> yeah, that, those are powerful stories. That, that one was sort of fun. Those are powerful. So what's it like to be standing there? I know what you're talking about when you say you can't even reach them because the people who run those abortion places, they take a great big umbrella and they all hold it across. And that person who's going in yep. is absolutely in their arms. They are guiding them right through the door. And you're trying to say things. I know that there are people who object to some of the abusiveness that takes place on both sides. But I'll tell you, it's more than anything, it's love. It's prayer. You've got people who will just stand there and pray because they know they can't see them and they know that they're in the clutches of the person taking them in. You know, that's got to impact. God's using that prayer. When I was doing it, there wasn't as much of the umbrellas and people there. Fortunately, the owner was too cheap to hire much security, and I wasn't much of a bother. You know, I didn't didn't yell or shout. I didn't have any signs. You know, I was just sort of like some old guy hanging around on the street. <laughs> so uh, I got away with it. Uh, but I always was there alone because I felt if you had more than one person there. You weren't going to get hurt. You weren't going to get anybody Not run over. Talk. My, mm-hmm. my, my purpose was to take that 15 seconds I had and establish a relationship with them. The thing is, when I first got started, I don't know what I was doing. I got some guidance from a, a Father Riley in Brooklyn and from Joe Shiler in Chicago, who was like one of the great heroes. I had a book on uh, 99 Ways to End Abortion. And we just, we, just, we just did this week after week. And one of the things that uh, kept us going, kept me going, was the uh, clinics are horrible places. And what I would have to do was when I left home, I would have to be praying, praying the spirit on the way up to the clinic because there's such dark and uh, evil places and uh, for protection. And when I get there, it would be okay. And I'd be praying most of the time when I was there because we only had a few minutes to to really talk to the people coming in. And I, I got protection. I, I never was really uh, assaulted to speak of or had any particular problems. I would not advise anyone, though, to go alone. Uh, it just, it's just generally not safe. The other thing I'd mentioned was we had a um, an ultrasound ministry that got started a few years ago. So we had actually parked the ultrasound van outside the clinic, and people would be coming in there. And they would um, be able to get an ultrasound yeah. and get advice on you know continuing their And the pregnancy. fact that it's free, you're walking into a really nice uh, unit, and it's got a nurse there who's working with you and it's free and i love that that's available uh, in instead of going in and and giving 
$150 to a place that's going to then end the life of that child. You know, you talked about how God's used you, Ken. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 8. It says, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, when we're talking about the risk that you had to take and the fact that, yes, there was evil all around you, Satan didn't want you to be doing what you were doing, that it's better to be at home with the Lord than it is to walk the wrong way, not have the courage to to let other people do the wrong. Thank you for joining us yet again to hear stories of God's children. We're all God's children. Whether or not you have received Jesus as your Savior, you're still a child of God. And every child in the womb is a child of God. So today, maybe he's touching your heart to come to him for salvation, for forgiveness, and for eternity with him in a very busy and productive heaven. I just don't picture heaven as sitting on clouds and doing nothing. I think God's going to give us something really special there. Thank you so much, Ken Carrada, for joining us today. And Ken mentioned Steadfast Fathers in our conversation. I just want to let you know that's an organization in the pregnancy center where he's working. If you are a man and you're interested in helping, you can. You can start Steadfast Fathers in your own pregnancy center near you. I just encourage you to do that. If you want me to pray for you or you have questions about how to be saved, go to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and send me a message. I'd love to connect with you. And join me, Jill Taylor, next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.